five, four, three, two, one. This is Mark's side of the ring, the prelude, the intro before the big show on January 4, 2022. I'm Dick Ford. I am joined by the incomparable Joey Vegas. I, yes, I am here. And uh, Mike Madness is here. Mike? How's it going, everybody? It's the night. If, if this was the late 80s, early 90s, it would be the night before Survivor Series. But instead, it's just the night before Thanksgiving. But we felt like we would pay tribute to the Survivor Series of yesteryear and give everyone our top three Survivor Series teams and also the worst, one worst from each one of us. So it's a little panel um, discussion slash reminisce and uh, all the all the nostalgia that makes us feel good about when the WWF was good. So, uh, Mike, I'll start with you. I know you weren't prepared for this question, but I'm sure you will have an answer. What does the Survivor Series mean to you? What does the Survivor Series mean to me? Well, you know, it's changed so much over the years. As of right now, the Survivor Series means dog shit to me, Yeah, uh, unfortunately. But in the past, uh, I, you know, it just kind of had this this feel to it, uh, this this team mentality, which I really enjoyed. I thought it was so cool when they were doing the five-on-five five and the four-on-four. Four. And, uh, you know, I guess as time went on, that gimmick sort of ran its course, and they figured there's only so much they could do with it. And uh, it basically turned into a pay-per-view. So for me, it has great memories, but uh, sort of a blasé sort of ending to it. And there was even talk of it, I believe, being pulled as a regular pay-per-view at one point. Yeah, so, you know, McMahon uh, hates tag teams, as we've learned from Bruce Pritchard. And if you just pay attention, you could tell that he hates tag teams. But there was, there's nothing like the site, Joey Vegas, of they they did one Survivor Series. Michael know the year. It might have been eighty eight, eighty nine, where there was a ten on ten, and there's ten guys on each corner, and it, it's just a sea of 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 steroid humanity. It was crazy. Either those fans at ringside or anyone it couldn't even see in the beginning, early of the match. They couldn't even see what was going on in the ring because all the guys were crowded around it, and you just couldn't see. It was like a lumberjack match, but everybody was actually on the apron holding it, and that was in 1987 and 1988. They did it twice. Yeah, and then they never did that again. Yeah, that was a little too much. Joey Vegas, your Survivor Series thoughts? Well, I mean... Just like anything with the WWF slash E nowadays, uh, it sucks. But it just t- tells you back in the day when you had some of, some of the times you had actual factions, you know, going, uh, you know, against each other. Most of the time it was just a hodgepodge of people, um, you know, four on four, five on five. But this year, Survivor Series, best Survivor Series ever. They didn't even lead up to it. They announced everything on Twitter and social media. Um, and there was no hype, and then they replaced a couple guys for no particular reason. It was great. I enjoyed it, <laughs> and I can't wait for you all to watch it. So since we're piling on like the current day Survivor Series, which just happened this past Sunday at uh, Barclays there in Brooklyn, uh, I have this stat for you. 
Survivor Series ran 186 minutes, and 79 of those minutes were video packages, ads, and entrances. Wow. He also hates wrestling, apparently. Yes. It's entertainment. Yes. No wrestling involved in the WWE. So, for me, the Survivor Series was the symbol for the fall. It was. If Survivor Series was on, you knew Thanksgiving was either that day or it was very, very close. And growing up, it was a Thanksgiving tradition. And now, obviously, I don't even watch it. But, like most people, we always look back on our childhood and our early teen years as the fondest. The movie was the mu- the music was the best. The movies were the best. Wrestling was the best. Believe it or not, there are people out there right now who feel like the ruthless aggression era was the greatest era they've ever watched because that was that's what was on when they were kids. So for us, it's the '80s, and for future generations, their childhood will always be the best. Uh, but we know they're all wrong. The best, the best was the '80s and and the late '90s. Am I right, Madness? Well, let me ask you a question. Uh, you are correct, but let's say let's say this: we kind of grew up in two eras. It was the '80s, did the Hogan, the Golden Years, and we also grew up sort of. We were more in our teens. We we're the right age. We've talked about this before, being the right age for the for the businesses that progressed. Uh, it grew into the Attitude Era, but right when we hit our teens, and we were really you know gravitating towards that. So it's like the wrestling. Uh, mainstream kind of followed our, our our years as we were going. So I was going to question for you guys: What did you like more? What would you pick more? What do you have more fonder memories of the Attitude Era or the uh, the Golden Age, the Hulk, Hulkamania, uh, Savage, all that that era? Joe, I'll let you go first. Well, the, I was a little young. I mean, we all were a little yeah, young we're the in, same in age. the late eighties, yeah, early nineties. We're, we're the same age. So I would think I would gravitate more towards the Attitude Era. Just because I, I understood, uh, you know, more that was going on. An appreciation um, for the business. Yes. And when I think of that, I think of Hogan and, and Macho, uh, you know, and Rick Rude and them being in WCW. Mm-hmm. So obviously I know, I remember them being in, in the WWF, but all, most of my memories are in the Attitude Era. Yeah, that is a fucking hard question to answer because I look back at both of them so fondly but do you look back because you're old enough and you can watch the older stuff and appreciate it more now or do you remember it as you were that age looking at it and be like this is the greatest thing ever you know the thing the funny thing is is i watch when i do watch the 80s stuff now i could tell who the workers were and who the workers weren't (laughs) yeah hogan couldn't work to save his life he'll forever be the most famous wrestler outside of the rock but uh, he couldn't really wrestle a lick in this country. But you look at like the Rudes, mm-hmm. you know, the Savages. Those guys I watch now for, back in the 80s in the Steamboats. And I have more of an appreciation because when I was a kid, it was all about Hogan. Yeah. Hogan could do no wrong. But looking back now, I could tell, you know, I watch it from a different, obviously from a different perspective. It's hard to watch it as as an eight-year-old again. Well, you're a mark when you're an eight-year-old. So, you know, you watch the business differently. You have a different uh, view and mindset for the business as you kind of learn the ins and outs. Yes. But as this show is called Mark Side of the Ring, we're fans first and critics second. So uh, to answer 
Mike's question, the long-winded way. I would have to say the Attitude Era just because I feel like there were more memories that were made in the Attitude Era than the 80s. You know, you only I really only remember certain a few moments from the 80s. The lust in your eyes for Elizabeth. I see it. Okay? I remember that moment. I remember the snake bite. Mm-hmm. I remember Earthquake sitting on Hogan's chest and Hogan convulsing. I remember the Sean throwing Marty through the glass. Like, I remember those moments. But, boy, I could remember weekly WWF Raws mm-hmm. from 97, right. you know. And I think the reason that is is because we didn't really have a Raw to watch no. uh, back then. There was primetime wrestling, and it was just syndicated uh, superstars. And superstars yeah. and all American wrestling and yep. wrestling challenge and all those, those, those early morning shows that mm-hmm. were, uh, you know, nothing really went down. It was a bunch of squash mashes, but uh, everything that went on in the attitude area was just, just so wild and weird. And it was just, it was just the right time. Yeah. I, you know, and I think one of the things that we should do here on Mark's side of the ring is we should go back and I would love for us to watch some of those WWF superstar shows as little like watch alongs that'd be something to do i think though yeah those i think those would be more fun than watching the raws Uh, oh yeah nobody's covered that no nobody's gone and bullshitted with that no hardcore fans might appreciate it i think yes go watch a little wwe superstars with brother love doing the interview shotgun saturday night here or there maybe wcw worldwide or i don't know whatever yeah wcw worldwide was the shit that's a throwback it's great yeah I just, I remember, and I wasn't even a, a WCW guy until um, Hogan went there because I was, I was just a WWF kid. You were a, you were a Hogan mark. Yes. So I only remember 605 Saturday night, just watching like WCW Saturday night when they uh-huh. filmed them in those studios. And I don't even really remember matches really. I just mm-hmm. remember watching at 605 on TBS. Yeah, always had that five. Always five after. Always five after. Because yeah. you never know with Braves baseball would end. Oh, yeah. And for yeah. me, you know, I would just WCW for years up until about 96 when the NWO really started. For me, that was just like an extra, like, hey, if it's on, I'll throw it on. This isn't WWF, but hey, it's wrestling. You know, I'm at my grandpa's house. He's only got like five channels and WCW showed up. So <laughs> yeah, I'll watch it. So, and, you know, that was it. All right, so let's get this. Uh, our let's, Mike. This was your idea, so we'll That's start. Right. We'll, we'll start. How do you want to do it? Do you want to go around the room and do our worst first, and then we'll do our top threes? Let's save. We're gonna we're gonna save that for the end. We're gonna start right at the, at the, with the top. Okay. The top. And what we're gonna do is I'm gonna go first. Okay. And then uh, whoever wants to go next, we're gonna go each say one team and then restart around. So I'm not okay. going to list all of mine. Perfect. I'm going to list one and then one of you two go. So is right? this is this supposed to be in are you going to give us right now your favorite or your third favorite? Is this an order? I, I did not order mine. Okay, I can't. I didn't, yeah, I didn't order I, mine. I'm going to say I'm going to say these are in these are in no no particular order. Okay. These are three teams that I picked and uh these for whatever reason. And this doesn't have to be based on any specific criteria. This is just your favorite. I mean, you could pull your reasonings out of your ass, whatever you think it is, but okay. that's, this is more of an opinion based kind of show, but we can still bullshit with each other. Okay. As we, 
So all right, so you uh, start. So I'm going to start, and this one probably is going to piss Dick Ford off right away. <laughs> but for me, and it comes from my favorite Survivor Series, which is 1990. I absolutely love that event. That is my favorite Survivor Series by far. And my favorite team on that card was known as the Ultimate Warriors. Oh, God. And that <laughs> made up, listen, listen here. That was made up of the Ultimate Warrior. Carrie Von Eric, the Texas Tornado, and the Legion of Doom, Hawk and Animal. Now, what I liked about this team was they were named the Ultimate Warriors, but all the guys on the team at one point in their careers had the Warrior moniker in their name. So it was the Ultimate Warrior. It was the modern-day Warrior, Carrie Von Eric, and it was the Road Warriors, Hawk and Animal. So I thought it was just a cool team. And the team they, they went against was pretty cool, too, which is Mr. Perfect and all three members of Demolition, which was a cool thing to see. So that was a great – it was a main event. It was the opening match on the card. Uh, so that's why I went with the Ultimate Warriors. And that event, I do want to say a few other, a few other things about that event. Uh, I believe that the best and worst gimmick ever in the WWF was debuted at that event. And that would be the gobbledygooker yep. and the undertaker, which is kind of crazy if you think about it. Whether you love the undertaker or not, you got to admit, it's probably the best gimmick they ever came up with. Mm -hmm. And the worst was that freaking chicken out of the egg or that turkey out of the egg. It's total, total garbage. And this was the only Survivor Series that had the grand match of survival at the end, which I thought was a cool concept. So and a little it's just so funny that you happen to start with 1990 because I have a little nugget that I found on my research about 1990. The dark match for that night was Shane Douglas defeating Buddy Rose. Shane Douglas. Would it, Shane would Douglas. It call, would you think it's weird that I actually knew that? <laughs> <laughs> no, because he said it's your favorite event. Yeah, I can't believe I knew that. Shane Douglas is in the dark match, 1990. Well, he was in the Royal Rumble the following year. <laughs> 1991. So, Joey Vegas, I'll yes. let you have the floor. Did you write your stuff down this time? Yes, I yeah, have everything too. here. Yeah, we actually. I, I, I couldn't just fuck it up. And, this is the first time I think you and I have ever written anything down like this. Yes, pro yeah. probably. Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> my first one, you got to go way back to the first Survivor Series in '87 with Randy Savage, Jake the Snake, Ricky Steamboat, Brutus Beefcake, and Jim Duggan as the team. Again, this is no particular order, but. They were the first, you know, match on that card, which is surprising because now usually it's in the middle, maybe the main event. Um, most likely it's not the main event now in the current WWE. But this match, I remember this. It was probably like five years ago. I actually watched this match. Don't ask me why I watched this match, but I did. And just, I mean, the star power in this match alone, you know, with Savage and, you know, Jake the Snake, which is one, probably one of my all-time favorite wrestlers when I grew up was Jake the Snake just because he had the snake. But, yeah, that would oh, be my... Oh, it wasn't because he did drugs? Well, I, after when I found out he did that, Beyond he became even more okay, favorite. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I was a kid, I didn't know he did drugs. Okay. Yeah. But, <clears throat> but yeah, I think that was... Um, there's Hall of Famers all in that. Pretty I much all of them. I don't, I, think beef, I don't think Beefcake's in the Hall of Fame yet, is he? Did he get in? I don't remember. Let me, tell you something about, let me tell you, brother, Brutus, the fucking barber. Let me tell you something about him. Now, look, that's a great pick, Joey. I, I almost picked that team, but the fact that Brutus, the barber, beefcakes on it, I kind of had to, I couldn't put it up there. But a team with Savage, uh, what is it, Roberts and Steamboat, that's amazing. And Duggan for, for laughs, I like it. Good pick. 
All right, so I'm going to start with 1993. Oh. The Foreign Fanatics. And I'll tell you, the team was Crush, Quebecer Jacques, Ludwig Borga, and Yokozuna. Cornette was in the corner. Johnny Polo was in the corner. Mr. Fuji was in the corner. Are you sure that's not the worst one? No. This is a pretty stupid pick. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. The poster for this pay-per-view, there was two of them. There was this team and Luger's team. But for some reason, this team's poster featured both Quebecers, yet both Quebecers don't wrestle. They swap out Pierre for Ludwig Borga. And I was trying to find out why. And I can't, I couldn't find. I'm going to correct you. I'm going to correct you. They didn't swap out for Ludwig Borga. They swapped out for Crush. No, because the team. Oh, oh, you're right. Sorry. Sorry. You're right. Borga's in the drawing. Crush isn't. That's right. So they, but I'm trying to figure out why Pierre didn't make the the date he didn't do the show i can explain that to you you know why yeah we just watched it we were watching those raws i did some light googling and i couldn't find it pierre fought luger on raw and the 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 kayfabe the storyline was that luger injured him so so badly he had an injury from the match what happened really was that there wasn't enough star power in that main event crush just turned heel so they wanted to capitalize on crush as a heel in the main event and build him up to feud with Savage. Savage replaced Mr. Perfect in the first match, and then they had a little scuffle with Crush coming out. So they wanted to push that uh, feud a bit at this event. That's what I think happened. And to have two Quebecers in there, a tag team, you know how Vince hates tag teams, like you said earlier. So that's what happened. But it's, it's funny how McMahon doesn't plan this out enough in advance to where he literally has the drawing done, and it's both Quebecers. Yeah. You'd figure he would have a plan. And why and would oh, and, go ahead? And why would Luger? Why would they do a babyface heel injury angle with with with? Why would you injure the heel as the babyface? Usually, it's the babyface who gets hurt by the heel. That's a you weird. Know, that's weird. Yeah. It's a weird time in the in, in the actual in the company and on the other side of that match. If you remember, I don't know if you said it when you let off, but Tatanka was originally featured in that match, and they replaced him with the Undertaker. And it was when Ludwig Borga ended his streak, pinned him with the pinky finger. Yeah. That was when he was hurt. So they put the Undertaker in. So I think they just tried to stack that main event because they thought it was weak. Yeah, and they were going with Borga after this, but he got hurt, and then they never saw him again. <laughs> and boy, Borga pinning Tatanka with one finger. That killed him. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that, sad ending for Borga in life, though. Yeah. Suicide. Yeah. yeah. All right. Who's your number two, Mike Madness? Okay. Going even further back, I went to 1989. Oh, this was, shit. Here we go. This was from the Rosemont Horizon yeah. in Chicago, Illinois. I wish, I wish I had been a big enough fan to bother my father to take me to this. Granted, it being, I believe, Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving Eve. Don't know if it would have happened. But I chose... A pretty basic team here, but I'm going to go with it because it's Hulk Hogan, Jake the Snake Roberts, and Demolition. And I just think that is a solid lineup of guys. One of my favorite tag teams ever. One of the best in-ring psychologists in Jake the Snake Roberts and the biggest wrestler all time, whether you love him or not, is Hulk Hogan. So I thought that was a top uh, three team in Survivor Series history. Yeah, and I'm going to follow you because I also picked the same team. So did I. Oh, you picked the same team yes. as well. Uh, I don't think- <laughs> 
Yes. I didn't yeah. think we'd have, I didn't think, I thought maybe we would get a couple of us with the same, but I didn't think the three of us would pick one. So yeah, that cuts the show in a little shorter here. And this, this yeah. is uh babyface demolition. Yes. Yep. Which is, it's kind of crazy. Cause they went against uh what million dollar, uh, what are they? They were Ted DiBiase's. DiBiase, Zeus, and I think the powers yeah. of pain. Yeah, yeah, I don't have it in front of me, but yeah. I think that's what the team was. But right. other than Ted DiBiase, I mean, you know, uh, there was nobody else on that side. You know, the million yeah. million dollar team. I mean, Zeus was a jobber. I it mean, was just a bunch of big guys for Hogan to beat up. Yeah, Hogan probably could have did this on his own. Mm-hmm. You know, just with the the hype of him in '89, but with Jake yeah. the Snake again. One of my favorite wrestlers growing up, and then Demolition, arguably one of the best tag teams ever. I mean, how could you go wrong? Plus, it was in Chicago. Well, sorry, Rosemont. So, all right, so then Jelly Vegas, since that's we know that that would be your second one, go ahead and you can give us your third. So, my third one, just I, I did obviously didn't see this live, or but bet way back to '88. With Andre the Giant, Rick Rude, Dino Bravo, Mr. Perfect, and Harley Race. Now, you know, plus Bobby Heenan yeah. in the corner. Yeah. I just, I, I loved Heenan in general. Mm-hmm. From from all the way, you know, back then for as a manager to a commentator in WCW, he was just hilarious. And with him and Gorilla Monsoon, I mean, my God, just, it was so great. So I, I would probably pick this as my number one team. Excluding the current, you know, the attitude era, because some of those teams are like, okay, you, you totally threw them together. They don't make sense. Plus, you had the Spirit Squad. Fuck that. Fuck the Spirit Squad, except for Dolph Ziggler. But yeah, that would be my number one. Um, you know, as with on, you know, pretty pretty much all Hall of Famers there. I mean, you can't really argue with. Well, you can't argue with that because they're all in the Hall of Fame. Multiple Hall of Fames. So, give me the team again. Andre the Giant, mm-hmm. Rick Rude, mm-hmm. Dino Bravo, Mr. Perfect, and Harley Race. Harley Race. So weird seeing him in the WWF, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. watching that old stuff, because he was like a shell of his former self. Oh, correct. This was like on his last leg, Harley Race, and I think it was the table spot that ended up ruining his career. Mm-hmm. You know what's crazy? I think he was only about 44. <laughs> I know, it's so crazy, though. Yeah, <laughs> He looks like a 78-year-old yeah. man. He's younger than John Cena. There. But he had that, but he was a rough 44 because he did that, that NWA World Champion schedule. 44 back then was like 64. And what was the – Mike, you'll know. I can't remember off the top of my head. Where, mm. What was the table spot that injured him that basically he was donezo? Is that a WrestleMania? Talking, you're talking Harley Race? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I know what you're talking yeah, about. But I can't I think can't, of it. I can't recall the event or when it happened. It must have been after this, obviously. But right. uh, it is always weird to see the NWA World's Champion, the greatest wrestler on God's green earth, he used to say, or however he used to say it, in the WWF. Still very weird. That's more weird than Flair being in the WWF. Yeah. To me, at least. Yeah. So... Mm. All right, we'll go to we'll go to madness there, Mike. Uh, you could go ahead and give us your third final. Well, I, my third team was exactly the one Joey Vegas just rattled off. <laughs> uh, so it, I mean, you can't argue with it. You got Andre the Giant, one of the greatest you know, big men, the best big man of all time, one of the most iconic individuals in the industry ever. We'll never see anything like him again. Dino Bravo, Mister Perfect, Rick Rude, Harley Race, all just just legendary, just Hall of Famers. 
good in-ring workers here, you know, you can't go wrong. But I'm going to just to change this up a little bit. I'm going to give you my bubble team that I wanted to put on here, but I didn't. So I'm going to talk about them. It's actually from Survivor Series 2000. And I'm going to go with the team of the Dudley Boys and the Hardy Boys because those are two of the greatest tag teams we have ever seen. And, hey, as a Survivor Series team, it's pretty cool to see. So I, I put them as kind of my bubble team, sort of. Um, and that, uh, that'll round out my three then. And it's up to you for the, uh, the final one there. Yeah, and it's good that I have something different than you guys. <laughs> um, my third team comes again from 1989. And it's the Rude Brood. Rick Rude, Mr. Perfect, Jacques and Raymond Rougeau, and the Genius. So why I chose this group? Because all of these guys can work. These are all workers. These are guys that can work. This isn't the WWF worker. These are AWA guys that could work. Raymond and Jacques Rougeau from Montreal, uh, nephews of Johnny Rougeau, I believe. And the genius, come on, underrated, Lanny Poffo. He could work too. And of he course, wasn't in the match, though. No, he was not in the match. But Jimmy Hart was there. And Jimmy Hart, we all know, Jimmy Hart has never met a red light that he didn't like. <laughs> but Rick Rude. I mean, you want to talk about a guy who should have had a run with the WWF world title. That is Rick fucking rude. It is a catastrophe that he never won the WWF title, even though clowns like Bruce Pritchard will tell you that he didn't need it. His act was strong. He, he was strong enough. He didn't need it. But imagine a Rick rude heel run with Hogan. Chasing Rick Rude. I know, I know Hogan. Wasn't there the rumor Hogan didn't want to work with Rude? Didn't think he was big enough because Hogan liked to only beat guys that were bigger than him. Something like that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I've, I've heard so many rumors about who Hogan did and didn't want to work with, and it just all kind of blends together now. His ego had to be bigger than his fucking 24 inch pythons, brother. But it is, it, when I saw that team, the Rude Brood, Mr. Perfect, come on. Talk I'd love that. to argue. I'd love to argue that, but I can't. I mean, it's got two of the best workers of all time in Rude and, and uh, Perfect in there, and the Rougeaus were no slouch in the ring either. No so, yeah. slouch. No slouch. All right. It's time for the worst. We've but, talked about the best. Now it's time for the worst. What do you got, Joey Vegas? Well, no, the, the worst? Yeah. I'm telling you, I thought about this. There are so many terrible teams. I was like, I, I struggled. I struggled for a good hour flipping coins between, you know, the spirit squad. And, and, and I mean, there was, I'm not going to go into everyone because you guys might have one of those. Yeah. Hopefully you don't have the spirit squad. No. But there were just so many terrible well, teams. All right, well, then you start first. So my terrible we'll madness. Yes. Yeah, so my terrible team um, is from 1991 uh, Colonel Mustafa, the Berserker, Skinner, and Hercules. <laughs> So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, first of all, Mustafa, a.k.a. the Iron Sheik. Yeah. He's like 95, I think. Actually, he's 48 in this in this match. <laughs> but, I mean, the Berserker was just, I mean, he had no talent. He, he was terrible. Zeus, or not Zeus, wow. Hercules, Zeus, Hercules, same 
same gods. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Hercules was just all he had was muscle and some chains. Yeah. Dude, no, he couldn't work worth a shit. And then Skinner, I don't even know who the hell the guy was. Like he just he was terrible. So why do you even put him together? Well, because I'm, you know, I forget, I forget who they went against. I was going to ask, do you remember oh, who they faced? I, I know they actually it was one of the first. It was the second time. Oh yeah, got eliminated. It was Slaughter, Duggan, Santana, and Tornado. Yes, yes. Yeah. So and so they just were like, oh, we're going to just feed these guys. Let's yeah. just feed them to them. So that is my, my that is my worst. Even though there are so many honorable mentions in this did, category. Did anybody get eliminated on that babyface team? No, no. The one I just the one I named. Yeah. No. No, they actually the whole team survived that one. Clean sweep. I would hope so. It was a squash. You know, yeah. John Nord. He played Berserker, didn't he? Yep. Yes. He did that. Hush, hush, hush. He got that from Brody. Yeah, he yeah. did. He yeah. was a very big, uh, a lot of influence from uh, for, for uh, Brody there. But apparently, sure. they were friends, so it wasn't like he stole it. I mean, he stole it, but nobody was mad at him about it because they were you friends. Know what, you know what his finisher was? You remember his finisher? The Berserker or Brody? Berserker. No. He was his finisher was to throw him outside the ring for a count out. That's not a joke. That's a great finisher right there. That's that's why when he came into the 1992 Royal Rumble Bobby Heenan goes, "And what's his specialty? And what is his specialty?" And and it was throw him over the top rope to the bottom. He's supposed to win the Royal Rumble, he did not win. Oh my god. <laughs> when that's your finish, you got to win. Yeah. I mean, you have to. All right, Madness. We'll go to you. Let's see. Just tell me what year yours is from, because I want to see if we have the matching years. Bend the rules a little bit, but because I mentioned this team last time, mine's from nineteen. My one and one A is from one is from nineteen ninety three. That's why I got that too. Ninety three. Okay, so since we mentioned it last week, and I'm sure you probably picked it too, it's that four doink team with Mo. Okay, good. That's interesting. But Mo Mabel. And the Bushwhackers dressed up like clowns. And it literally was the first pay-per-view where Doink was a babyface. He was booked on it. He wasn't even there. They ruined a great character. They shit all over the crowd with this Bastion Booger was in the match eating chicken and shit. It was terrible. It was one of the worst things I've ever seen. That was actually a really bad event. Even though you picked a team from there for this best, but it is a terrible event. And sadly, that was Bobby Heenan's last event before he came back for a quick a cup of coffee with that one gimmick battle royal. That was his last event, pay-per-view event with the company. So, uh, but anyways, I did want to rattle off one other team that I found here from 1995 that I think is absolutely terrible, and that it consists of the uh, of Marty Jannetty, Hakushi, Barry Horowitz, and Bob Holly. Now, Hakushi Ooh. is a very very underrated worker. He would, didn't get over in WWE, so he was kind of a throwaway character during the new generation era, but uh, that's a pretty pretty crappy team known as the Underdogs. So the, that would be my pick. Did the, under, did the Underdogs, did they survive? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, that I don't even know. That that no. event I kind of try to forget about. I, don't, I, I believe they did not. I believe, no, the survivors from that match... Uh, you know, I don't have that in front of me right now. I do apologize. So that would be pretty funny if the underdogs lost. They didn't have any sole survivors. It says the survivor was the uh, was the one, two, three kid on the other side. All right, there you go. The underdogs didn't even win. All right, mine is, uh, like I said, mine's from 1993. It's not the doinks. You like how, Joey Vegas, do you like how Mr. Mike Madness over here, who made the rules for this, and then also gave us a bubble team? Yeah. And then gave us a 1B bad team. We didn't know any of these rules. We didn't know we could do this. No. Hey. No. Because I'm, fl- I'm flexible. You guys can do what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because if we did, I mean, there are so many bad ones. I would have. I probably would have put uh, 
the body Donna's Rad Radford of the one, two, three kid in 95. Yeah, that's pretty bad. As one. That's the team that, yeah, that's the team that, that the underdogs face. It's a terrible match. Yeah. I mean, obviously, the one, two, three kid ended up being somebody. The body Donna's, isn't that Candido? Yeah, skip and zip. Yeah. And the, the only reason you cared about the body Donna's is because of Sonny. Mm. He wasn't he wasn't even the uh, zip yet. It was actually he was still half of the heavenly bodies in that. Yeah. He wasn't zipped just yet. So, so my worst team is from 1993 and it's Shawn Michaels and his knights. The black knight was Jeff Gaylord. The blue knight was Greg the Hammer Valentine. And the red knight was Barry Horowitz and they lost. And uh yeah, that's an awful lineup for a Survivor Series team. I don't even know who Jeff Gaylord is. First time I've heard the name. But you have to put Valentine under a mask, and you put Barry Horowitz under a mask. I don't know. Shawn Michaels and his knights. That wasn't even like his gimmick. No, it was supposed to be Jerry Lawler in the match. Yes, but he got fired because he was a child toucher. Was that when he got fired? Yeah, yeah. That was the time, was it? He, got, he came back, obviously. Yeah, he came back, but that was why he was... It was supposed to be Lawler, and he got fired because of the allegations that he was mm. a pedophile. Which is probably true. Which still stand. That, that, yeah. that, that, uh, he hasn't been able to shake that stigma. Mm. I still see those jokes on the internet about, about old man Lawler. Now it's probably even worse. Oh, he doesn't care anymore. Now he's like 77 and constantly horny. Oh. <laughs> How old's Lawler? 70, right? He's got to yeah. be. Oh, he's definitely over 70. He's got to be. So this is the night before Thanksgiving. So we wanted to come on here and uh, relive some memories from Survivor Series of yesteryear. Nowadays, it's for brand supremacy. It's the one time a year that Raw and SmackDown face each other, except for all the other times that we'll do it. Used to be called bragging rights. Yeah. Remember that pay-per-view? I remember. Survivor just became bragging rights. Stupid. And the, the problem really what that is that they have these matches there's no stakes and then nothing there's no development of a store nothing happens it, you know if if let's just say like the raw team won and the 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 guy who was like the sole survivor went on to get a title match won a championship did something coming out of it mm-hmm. it, it would mean more but instead, they just they have these matches, Raw versus SmackDown, and there's really no there's really no point because there's no stakes and nothing. You know, typically what happened. I know the other night, SmackDown got beaten every single match until the end because Roman Reigns was going to beat Biggie. Yeah. So that's usually what happens. SmackDown gets their ass kicked all night, and then they'll win the big match at the end. Yeah. All predictable stuff. Very there's no good. there's no good creative. There's just the way they run their their shit is it's content driven. It's insane. It's it's about quantity, not quality there. They're, I mean, I just put smiles on faces. Yeah. And Roman, I mean, Roman Reigns is just, it, it's getting old. It's like, it was, I, I was a little bit invested when it first started. You're talking about his heel his run. heel run. But now literally he's beaten every old wrestler that they could bring in. He's beat everybody. I mean, he's beat Big E. He's beat Drew McIntyre. He's beat, uh, you know, Goldberg. Or no, he didn't beat. Yeah, did he beat Goldberg? I no, I know Drew McIntyre. Or, uh, I have no idea. Yeah, I think he beat Drew. Uh, then he beat Lesnar. He's beat everybody. I mean, he beat Edge and Brian yeah. Daniel Bryan in the same night and stacked them up on top of each other. I know. Other. So he's literally beat anybody. So who's going to face him? There's literally nobody left on the roster. He beat Finn Balor twice. Like, well, the problem is, is that they they can't create baby faces. Yeah, that yeah. So you can't create if you can't create a viable baby face who people can get behind, 
to beat Roman. The problem is, is that Roman is not supposed to be a heel. The guy who carries the company on his back uh-huh. is supposed to be a baby face. Yeah. He's supposed to be the guy that chases and then wins the title at WrestleMania. It's the equivalent to Hogan being a heel at WWF and carrying the company. But that's, that's not, not how the, it's supposed to work. No, but that's not the case much anymore. You could be a heel and, and carry the company because he is carrying that company. But the problem is he buries all the baby faces when he beats them. True. I agree. So that's what happens when you have a heel who is the guy, the guy. So you can't tell me a guy who carried a company that was a heel. Yeah. But then you're going to, then, then what are you going to do? Bring back The Rock? You're going to bring back The Rock at yeah, WrestleMania? Yeah, so Roman could beat him. Yeah, and then Roman beats him, and then literally, then you got nobody. You literally have nobody else left in the WWE Universe, old, new, Hall of Famer or not, unless Triple H comes back. But again, you're going to keep burying people? He's going to lose eventually. So Who's he going to lose to? So, Hogan, flagship guy, Hogan, babyface. Ultimate Warrior, flagship, oh, yes. flagship guy, <laughs> babyface. Stone Cold Steve Austin. Flagship guy, babyface. He had a good heel run too, though. Uh, no, his heel run was trash. Uh, killed the territory. Um, the, the, territory. The, the Rock was a great heel, but an even better babyface when he was the guy. John Cena, babyface, the guy. But the, WWE doesn't do the guys anymore. There is nobody bigger Roman than the machine Reigns is the guy, but he is not bigger than the machine. He's booked like the guy, but he's not bigger than the machine. No, WWE. No, no, it's definitely a machine. Yeah, I know. No, no, de- you're definitely correct. Yes. So but, like stone cold was bigger than the machine. The rock was bigger than the machine. John Cena was bigger than the machine. Yes. But nobody else is going to be that. So that's why you can't book a baby face because they don't want that baby face to be the machine. Daniel Bryan was the last one. They lucked into it. Well, exactly. They lucked into it. What is a baby face anymore, man? What can you even do in this in this world? You can't be one of the all Americans anymore. That's offensive. No, you, know, you, you just you have to be a guy. Your baby face a baby face has to be a guy who, when a the people have to believe in him, mm-hmm. and and b he has to be a guy that when he says he's going to do something, he does it. You can't have nowadays, and this just happened the other night because I listened to Wrestling Observer Radio and I listened to the Raw recaps. And the other night, Liv Morgan is the baby face and the heel, Becky Lynch, keeps talking about how she's a loser. She's not going to win the title. You're not going to beat me. You're a loser. And then they're going to show up for their match and Becky's going to beat her. Yeah. And then you're going to kill Liv Morgan. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're going to have the heel sit there and tell the baby face that she's not going to win or he, you're not going to beat me. You can't beat me. You ain't shit. And then the baby face shows up and wins. That's how you do it. But the problem is, is that Becky Lynch is going to beat her, probably in a one-sided laugher. I don't know. I don't think she will. Because <laughs> Becky Lynch is going to go with Char- going to go uh, go against Charlotte Flair again. They're going to re- keep redoing that over and over again. They're on two different shows, technically. Well, yeah. she's still called the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, she still calls I think herself. So, yeah. But my my it's point weird. is to answer Mike's question. To make a baby face. What's a baby face? Nowadays, the baby face is somebody who needs to, A, talk like he's an actual human being and not with these awful scripted promos. If you want to know what a baby face is, watch AEW. There's plenty of them. The guys that are baby faces, 
They get baby face reactions. There's almost too many babies. They don't get booed out of the building yeah. as a baby face. Okay? A baby face needs to do what he says he's going to do. You can't have a baby face. Imagine Bret Hart when he was a baby face back in the WWF talking about how he's going to win the WWF title. And then every time he said that, he fucking lost. Imagine. Imagine. Yeah. So cold Steve Austin. Imagine him talking about him talking for months after he broke his neck with Owen Hart. I'm going to get my title back. I'm going to whoop your ass. And then they fight at Survivor Series 97 and fucking Owen beats him. Did that happen? No. no. Austin beat him in four fucking minutes. I know that because I do all my Survivor Series research today. <laughs> That's how you make a baby face. Yeah. It's not hard. I don't need to have been in the business, Pritchard, for 30 fucking years to know how to make a baby face because I'm a fan and I cheer for them. But they don't want it. The thing is, McMahon doesn't want to make baby faces. Well, hopefully McMahon is not long for this world at his age. <laughs> okay. And that company could get back to basics. Well, because that's the fucking gonna, problem. They're not, nothing's going to happen when he goes, no. man. Stephanie and Triple H are going to still run this thing for, for dollars, cents, and exposure. No. They don't care about the product. No, Triple H isn't even going to run anything. No, he's not. No, he, Triple H is hurt. He's injured. He got a heart attack. He did whatever happened. They're facing him and out. And they're phasing him out like, like he's the fucking plague. NXT yeah. has changed since he got a heart attack and left or whatever happened. They sold everybody off. They fired everybody. They changed the fucking logo to some fucking fruitcake piece of shit. Fucking kid-friendly logo. You have Mandy Rose as your freaking woman's champion in there. whoop de fucking do Nobody gives a shit. The only good, pe- you know, the only good people in there are, are Ciampa and Gargano. And then, you know, Rick Steiner's son. Sure, he's a big genetic freak motherfucker. Sounds just like Scott Steiner, but too. But they don't even let him. They don't even call him Steiner. I know. They won't let him. They don't want to call him Steiner. You literally have Rick Steiner's actual son. And you give him a name, Bron Breaker, Breaker, whatever the fuck his name is. Yeah. Well, hey, they did that with, uh, what's his name? Mr. Perfect Son. Yes. Chris Axel, he came yes. in as Michael McGillicuddy. No, and then totally. I think, and then what's his name? Uh, yeah, I mean, Mike Rotundo's son. He's Bray Wyatt, right? Yeah. What did he come in as? Husky Harris? Remember <laughs> that bullshit? They come up with these names. Seth Rollins. It's not even his real name. It's sad because if he, well, his real name is Colby Lopez. So I don't know. I know. Where do you come up with Colby Seth Rollins? Rollins? What does that mean? Well, I think his name was better or Tyler Black, but you can't use Tyler Black because Vince didn't create it. And you want to leave yourself something in case you ever leave that place. But I, I don't know. I, I just to, you know, with your question of the baby face, if you want to see baby faces, watch AEW. They have baby faces. Yeah. And they have heels that get booed out of the building. Yeah. However, so- I, I did want to because uh, get your perspective, because I was listening to Busted Open Radio and good old Bully Ray, a.k.a. Uh, you know, Mr. Dudley boy himself uh, was saying that there are no the what happened to Seth Rollins um, with the fan attacking him. He said that was the best thing that could ever happen to Seth Rollins. That got so much heat on him. It was great for business, he said, because there are no heels in the wrestling business rights right now, besides maybe MJF, that people really want to beat the shit out. The problem is he was saying that us marks cheer MJF and are like, oh, yeah, MJF's awesome. He doesn't and they, get cheered. Well, I, I know, but I'm he saying the product. No, no. He was saying you shouldn't cheer him at all. You shouldn't buy his merchandise. You shouldn't do any. He shouldn't have merchandise. He was going on and on like 25 minutes. Well, he, he shouldn't have merchandise is like a 1980s way of thinking. Well, that's what Bully Ray thinks about. That's all he thinks about. Yeah. And he was like, 
you know, he gets booed out of the building. Yeah. You don't know where MJF starts and where, you know, MJF ends. First you know? of all, though, to, to bully thinking that the heels shouldn't have merchandise. I'm sure he made a couple of bucks off those fucking tie dive Dilly Boys t-shirts well, that yes. they used to sell. He was talking about, yeah, he was like an ECW. They were getting into fights and beating up fans and he would be pissed that he didn't do his job because they had the t-shirts. He's like, fans, you know, they shouldn't be buying my shit. That's bullshit. And I'm like, go oh, fuck yourself. Well, bull. the problem is, is that they're trying to make money. Oh, I know. The talent. No shit. So, uh, with that guy, that fan, the WWE security is a fucking joke. Oh, of course. That kid ran 40 yards <laughs> no. to get to that entrance ramp Yes, to even tackle Seth Rollins. Yep. And he was a big boy. Yeah, he, he was, was a big boy. boy. He was a yeah. sprinter. Yeah. He was a big boy. Now, the fact that security, and, 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 you know, Bully is right, but you know how Seth Rollins fucking ruined it? His little interview that he did with TMZ in the yep. airport. Yep. It was terrifying. Yeah. I mean, you, come on, bud. You lost your, you, you lost the You were terrified. Kayfabe. You were terrified. <laughs> he didn't pull a gun out. Keep the kayfabe, kid. I know. You yeah. should have been like, I'll kick his ass and anybody else who wants to jump that guardrail, I'll kick their ass too. You don't go on TMZ and go in the airport and that was terrifying. Well, look at society, Dick Ford. I know. That's what that's what people do now. I'm scared. I need help. I need I need to be coddled. Help me. I mean, that's how he gets the sympathy. If he's he acts like a badass. He's going to get all this bad publicity. They don't know the difference between kayfabe and not. He'll get destroyed. I read that. Black, but you but you know what would have happened? You know what would have happened if that happened to MJF? If that happened to MJF, he'd be on every fucking radio station, everything, and saying this motherfucking piece of shit kid. It happened. Remember. Well, yeah. On Dynamite, the, that guy jumped the guardrail. Yeah. And then and then MJF said, oh, I could take all you fat fucks out. Yeah. But he would he would have been on TMZ and been like, oh, bring that motherfucker. Yeah. Bring him right now and I'll beat the shit out of him. Yeah. I was embarrassed for Seth Rollins when he said it was. was did it, it was the word. I, I should, but I should set, look but, it up because I, I, I don't want to. But WWE is family entertainment, though. We got it. The problem is WWE and, and AEW. Ring of Honor, or New Japan, or whatever. There's, there's no, there's a big difference. WWE is all entertainment. It's all about selling merch. It's all about the TV. It's all about the Peacock. That's they're, you know, Fox. They're making billions. They don't give a shit about kayfabe anymore. They don't give a shit yeah. about anything else. I was right. He referred to it as terrifying, and then he, and then he said he should be banned from every WWE event ever. No, he should have said which he should. Well, he should I agree with that part, but he could have said, no, bring him to the next event. I want to kick his ass. Yeah. Like, no, well, he could have said that can't do that because what that will do is influence more people to jump the guardrail and feel like they're part of the show. So if you start, start cutting a promo on a guy that jumps over the guardrail and tackles you some other idiots can be like, I want to be in this show and he's yeah. going to come and tackle somebody else. So what he should have said was the next guy that does that. Instead of saying, bring it on and encourage it, he could have said something. But maybe he doesn't even have to say that, but he definitely doesn't need to call it terrifying. Well, no, he sounded like a pussy. I know. You're and it wasn't, a it wasn't even a terrifying situation. Go to Astro World and tell me that's a terrifying situation. That's terrifying. Yeah. Be walking in a parade in Wisconsin on a fucking... SUV comes barreling down, running people over. That's terrifying. A, 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 a fat fan jumping the guardrail and tackling you on the ramp. 
and then you putting him in a guillotine and then security jumping in and it's nine on one. That's not a terrifying situation, especially because he had to go through metal detectors and all this other shit to get into the building. Yeah. Bobby Heenan got shot at in <laughs> yeah. Chicago when he was wrestling. That's terrifying. Yeah. I mean, the hyperbole, the the adjectives. Well, Seth Rollins a pussy. He, he's lost all momentum. Yeah, he's fucked himself pretty hard there. I know. I'm like, I'm, I'm probably in this soft, 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 soft society that we live in. I know that everything that I'm saying is is going to be a rare opinion. And most of the people are going to focus on the guy who jumped the guardrail. But I think the focus should be, A, on the WWE security team who completely dropped the ball and allowed a guy to run 40 fucking yards to the, from the entrance, from the, from the fans, from the crowd. Hook, he hooked all the way around and ran down the ramp. <laughs> it's bad on them first. And then it's bad on Seth Rollins for calling it a terrifying situation. When a fucking holdup at a 7-Eleven is more terrifying than some fan trying to d- doing a double double leg takedown. Well, he took him down pretty good though. Seth Rollins felt like a it pussy that he is. It wasn't a bad spear. No, but it Seth Rollins was, was at the disadvantage. Well, yeah, there, he didn't so, see him coming. Yeah, I mean, he was blindsided. Yeah, anybody would have felt and, that. And yeah, it, he reacted quickly, and he did get the guy in the guillotine. He didn't lock it in enough because the guy popped his fucking head right out. But I hey. digress. Maybe, maybe it was a work. I mean, the guy did say he's related to Roman Reigns and the Usos, and they invited him to the show, and he was trying to get backstage to see it, see them. Okay, well, that's a horrible excuse. He was running the wrong direction. That's I don't think the company would, would do something like that as a work. Uh, no, because no, the, the optics would have been would be terrible after if you remitted that. Yeah, well, that, and it's, like I said before, it's going to influence other people to do it, whether yeah. it, Really? And I don't think anybody should do it. No, okay? you're, no, you shouldn't. Just like but, you shouldn't run on the end of a field. No or play. But if it happens to you and you're a professional wrestler, don't go on TMZ and tell me how terrifying it was when there's actual terrifying events that happen every day. Yeah. There's yeah. a little reaction. Anything Absolutely. you got? You got anything else? Joey Biggs, you want to rile me up about since you brought up Seth Rollins? You got anything else you want to? <sighs> Gonna get me canceled already. This isn't even our first show yet. <laughs> I oh I could I could rile you up even more. Jesus. All right, boys, before we go, I got a question for the panel. Tomorrow, what's on the table? What's number one? What's top priority for you when you hit the Thanksgiving table? I'll let you You're go. most excited. You're most excited for what? Well, Joey Vegas, you're actually eating turkey dinner here. Yes. Because I my wife said. Let's pretend like it's make a wish. And let's ask Joey Vegas if he wants to come over for dinner. That was exact her exact words, yes. And I was like, all right, I guess we'll do something for the less fortunate. Yeah. <laughs> you did say that, yes. And I believe I, I'm sitting at the kids' table as well. And there's no uh, kids here. Yeah, I'm the only <laughs> one. Just I, I'm just me, yeah. <laughs> all right, so yeah. what do you got? I mean, I would say probably, I mean, if you're going to go, it's got to be the main event. It's got to be turkey. Because mm-hmm. I only eat turkey once a year. Yeah. That's around Thanksgiving. That's because you're normal. Yeah. But if you're <laughs> but if you're gonna go like the whole shebang sides, I mean I'm a huge mashed potatoes and gravy fan. Right. My wife is making mashed potatoes. Well that you have to. If you yeah. don't have mashed potatoes, you're not American. Well, they almost got canceled for sweet. 
But who the hell eats sweet potatoes? Me, Chico. Yeah, the only douchebag in the world. Wow. Sweet, sweet potato fucking bullshit. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'll go next. It's called yams. I'll Not go next. Potatoes. I'm most looking forward to the turkey because tomorrow, for the first time ever, I'll be eating deep fried turkey because I'm bringing the 13 pound bird over to the deep fryer at 10 a.m. tomorrow. And it's the first time I've ever had deep fried turkey. So I'm looking forward to that. The cranberry sauce and fucking sweet potatoes with marshmallows. Go ahead, Mike. Ooh, sweet potatoes and marshmallows. That's a dish I can't get down with. I try it every fucking year, and it just doesn't go. doesn't get over for me. But, hey, you know what? Because it's the one food I feel is most synonymous with the holiday, and we only really have it once a year, I always look forward to the stuffing, all variations mm-hmm. and such. Mm-hmm. French and gravy. I do say, I, I will say, Joey Vegas, mashed potatoes with a lot of butter and gravy is one of my favorite foods of all time. But given the fact that stuffing only rears its head usually about once a year here, I'm going to go with that dish. I mean, stuffing's delicious. I don't eat gravy. What? Yeah, I don't eat, I'll eat mashed potatoes just straight. I like to be on the gravy train. I don't think we're going to do this show anymore with Dick Ford, because if he doesn't eat fucking gravy. Wow. It's weird. It's very strange. I I eat stuffing without the gravy. I could understand that. That's fine. But if you don't eat mashed potatoes without the gravy, the fuck is wrong with you? I'm not a a big gravy guy. I don't know about this, man. I don't don't know. As as long as you're loading it up with some, some butter and garlic powder. Yeah, that's good stuff. So tomorrow I'm going to bypass football like I did last year, and I'm going to watch old Survivor Series in honor of the day. Good luck. Which events are you uh, going to be watching? You know, that's a good question. I don't. I haven't quite thought that through, but I guarantee okay. you it's going to be from the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. He's going to watch 94 with uh, Jerry Lawler and uh, the midgets and Doink and the Dink Pink and Stink or hey, whatever. They're not midgets. <laughs> Uh, sorry, little people. There you go. Little kings and little clowns. Yes. yes. So that's what I'm going to do tomorrow. I'm going to watch old Survivor Series in honor of this show and in honor of the Thanksgiving tradition that is the WWF Survivor Series. Are we ba- Are we doing any more preludes? Mike, you're the guy who kind of runs this show. Uh, somewhat. You know what? Let's see how. Let's reconvene in a few days and uh, see if we can come up with a good topic to do for one more prelude before we start up January 4th. And, uh, you know, we'll just come on as we need to. But we will be regular coming January 4th. All right. For Mike Madness, for Joey Vegas, I'm Dick Ford, and we'll see you guys next time. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point. In your rambling, incoherent response, were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought? Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. See ya!